Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Coaching Commons Podcast. My name is David Bertelsall and today I'm going to be answering your questions. Yes, I am live on Instagram right now answering the questions that you guys have around fitness, nutrition, mindset. You've already put some questions in the DMs, which is fantastic. And I'm going to dive straight in and get them answered. But if you haven't had a chance to get your question in yet, you can do that by putting it in the questions tab at the bottom of the screen. Right, let's dive in and let's make this happen. All right, first question has come in and it is, what advice would you give for a 15 year old girl who's trying to get abs? And the reason I've chosen this question is because I think it's important that instead of me just addressing the direct question and answering it, what I need to do first is address the idea of whether it's important or not to have abs at 15 if you're a female. <clears throat> Realistically, why, like what do abs represent? Like, why do we want them in the first place? The first thing I would ask Lauren, who put this question in, is why do you want apps if you're 15? What is really important about having apps? Because the truth is that having visible abdominal muscles, it doesn't really do anything for you. It doesn't improve your, your fitness, your performance. It's purely an aesthetic thing. And all having visible abs does is show us that you have a relatively low body fat percentage. But as a female, is it really viable? Should you be thinking about this? If you're 15, I would suggest that what's much more important than worrying about if you've got visible abs is, are you eating healthy? Are you training for longevity? Not are you obsessing over the percentage of your body fat? Because actually, it makes very little difference what when, when your body fat percentage is low enough that um, you're healthy and you're not suffering from any health effects of having a high body fat percentage, um, there's really no additional benefit to having low body fat. And actually with girls, with females especially, if we focus too much on our aesthetic at a young age, it can cause long-lasting um, psychological damage. Like if we focus on having abs at 15 and your only thought process is I need to have abs, then that can create long-term uh, body dysmorphia and um, poor relationships with food where we're only really thinking about how to be lean the whole time. We're not thinking about performance. We're not thinking about strength. We're not thinking about endurance. Um, and so we're kind of missing the point of fitness a little bit. So to my advice, my advice to you, Lauren, um, for would, what, what would I tell someone who's 15, who's female, who's trying to get abs? I would tell you, don't focus on getting abs. Because <coughs> the truth is, for females especially, it's very unsustainable. For, for men, it's more sustainable to have abs year-round. Um, you can get it by being around 10%, 12% body fat, um, as long as, you know, like, it's, it's, it's quite healthy. But for women, you have to be very, very lean and actually more lean than your body would like. It is unsustainable to have abs year-round for most people. So, um, 
I suggest to you, Lauren, to, to try focusing on performance, focusing on becoming stronger, developing good relationships with food, good relationships with training and exercising and fitness, and try not to focus too aggressively on the fine details of how low your body fat percentage can be, because in the long term, that won't serve you. All right. So that's, that's going to be my answer for that one. I'm not actually going to give you tips on how to get lean if you are 15 and a female. Uh, all right. Moving directly on to the next question. Does apple cider vinegar help with belly fat loss? If not, what does it do and what are the pros and cons? And this is come from harris.rz. Now, Harris, apple cider vinegar is, it's not really going to make much difference. All right. Like, to lose belly fat, to lose any fat at all, we need to be in a calorie deficit. We need to be consuming less calories on a daily basis than we are um, burning. So we need to be in a calorie deficit. If you're not in a calorie deficit and you drink apple cider vinegar every morning, you're not going to lose body fat. That's the truth. Like It's not some magic drink. These tips and tricks and little uh, suggestions of like types of foods to eat. Da, 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 da. They're all just small, tiny little um, considerations. The biggest overriding factor is calories in versus calories out when it comes to fat loss. Yes, there are things that help like eating lean protein sources, like eating fibrous vegetables, um, like drinking lots of water and sleeping. But cider vinegar, not really. Doesn't really do much. Pretty much a waste of time. You're better off putting your energy into things I just mentioned. Lean proteins, fibrous veggies, eating into a calorie deficit, sleeping seven to nine hours a day and drinking adequate water, not boozing all the time <laughs> and trying to minimize the um, junk food and sugar in your diet. Those things are way more beneficial to your long-term success of being in great shape than apple cider vinegar. But let's get rid of that one. Let's get rid of that question and go straight onto another one. Um, okay, we've had a comment coming from Rocky Tilo. Tilo said, I know you can't pinpoint fat loss, but what can I do to maybe improve the area of my back where I want to tighten up? Well, Rocky, thanks for fighting Drogo for me, you legend. Um, <laughs> when it comes to your back, I'm going to assume that the area you're talking about is just above your hips because that's where most women and most blokes want to lose fat because that's where we all store it. It's natural. It's normal. It is part of being human. And how can you tighten that up as you put? Well, you lose body fat. That's literally it. Like the muscles on your back are more towards the mid and upper back. Around the lower back on the sides, there isn't really that much muscle tissue there, except if you've got the, it's known as the quadratus lumborum, which are sheets of muscle kind of going from the hips up and around to the side part of your core. And they can get stronger, but they're not very big. So you're never going to have a lot of muscle tissue there. So all of the additional um, body that you have in that area is usually body fat. So in order to tighten that up, it would be a case of 
losing body fat all around. And as you put in the comment yourself, you can't pinpoint where you lose body fat from. It is um, a global thing that happens. When I say global, I mean not around the world, <laughs> but global with you as an individual. And so being in a calorie deficit is the thing that you need to focus on. Eating lean proteins, all the stuff I said a minute ago, plus you know doing your regular cardio, lifting weights, these are things that are going to stimulate your body to lose body fat. Cool. Uh, right, Shane has commented, am I familiar with the 8-16 diet? Yes, intermittent fasting, 16-8. Um, I've seen a couple of questions about this in the past. Um, I think if you guys have asked questions about intermittent fasting on previous lives that I've done, and what are my thoughts on it? Well, the 8-16 diet, or the 16-8 diet, is intermittent fasting. It is the idea that you eat with an eight-hour time window during the day, and then you fast for 16 hours. And as a concept, I have no problem with it. Um, if that works for you in your lifestyle, then that's brilliant. And if you eat less calories than your body burns, you'll lose weight and lose body fat. If you eat more calories than your body burns, you will put on weight. So the concept of intermittent fasting, it's not a magic solution. Again, it's not, it, it, it doesn't defy the fundamental principle of fat loss and weight gain, which is energy balance. Whether you eat within a four-hour time window, a two-hour time window, or a 12-hour time window, if you eat more calories than your body burns over an extended period of time, you'll gain weight, and if you eat less, you'll lose weight. So intermittent fasting, it can work really well. If you are someone that isn't really hungry in the morning, and you don't really feel the need to eat until around midday, and then you eat your first meal around midday, and then you're working throughout the day, and then you come home in the evening, and you eat your last meal before eight o'clock at night, then that is completely sustainable for you. And that might be a really great way for you to avoid eating additional calories at breakfast and additional calories at night, and therefore help keep you in that calorie deficit. Um, but if you're a night worker, if you are uh, someone that is really hungry in the morning, or you're very, very active in the morning, then you're going to need breakfast, or you're going to need to eat earlier in the day. So it's about using the principles of nutrition for your specific situation. And um, eating from midday to 8 p.m. at night might work really well for one person, but it might not work very well for, for you if you are up at five. So kind of the 16-8 diet, it's not a magic pill. None of these little things, they're not magic pills. Um, it doesn't override the fundamental principle of weight loss, fat loss, and muscle gain. It is, um, yeah, you still have to abide by those rules. <clears throat> right, hitting another question from Prenny underscore Y. What's the best thing to eat after a morning workout? Are pastries a no? <laughs> 
I like that you've specified whether pastries are a no. Um, I've, I have pastries every now and then. I actually had um, a couple of croissants on Sunday morning. They were delicious, beautiful. Um, but what we're going to look at here is whether um, they're great after a workout. Um, okay, so most people, if you're training in the morning, you probably won't have eaten that much. You'll have got up, got to the gym, done your thing, and then you'll be out and going on to the next phase of your day. So what's the best thing that you should be eating if you're doing that? Well, most of us, after we work out in the morning, we'll be going to work. Yeah, Even if we're working from home at the moment, um, most of us will be working at some some job. So the best thing we need to be eating after that workout is going to be a combination of protein and carbohydrates, okay? Because you need the protein after the workout to repair the muscles and repair the damage that you've done to the muscles in that workout and um, provide the fuel to optimize muscle protein synthesis. And muscle protein synthesis is effectively building muscle, right? So um, <clears throat> you need to have the proteins in there. You can get that from eggs. You can get that from meat. You can get that from a protein shake. You can get that from uh, vegetarian sources like, like peas and lentils and sorry, chickpeas and lentils, tofu, things like that. If you want to, that's absolutely not a problem. Um, and then you need some sort of carbohydrate because you'll have worked out on an empty stomach. As a result of that, your body will be using glycogen. Glycogen is an energy source stored within your muscles. And during your workout, you use that, burn that glycogen. So after the workout, you need to replace it. And you can do that with, um, I would suggest, complex carbohydrates. Because you've done a workout and it's the morning, you're going to go into work, you need to be fueled for your day. You need to be giving your body the right types of fuel so that you can concentrate so that you're not thinking about food too much, so that your energy levels are consistent and high, so that you don't get a drop in energy two hours later, um, so that you are going to be able to concentrate fully on the things you need to do and move your life forward. So in order to do that, I would suggest complex carbohydrate sources, things like brown bread, uh, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, rice, fibrous carbohydrates like veggies, leafy veggies, um, all of these things. Oats are another great thing. You don't have to play by the rules. This is what I want you to guys to understand is you don't have to play by the rules. You don't have to have cereal for breakfast. You don't have to have toast for breakfast. Um, you just have to have some sort of complex carbohydrate source, some sort of lean protein source, and you're going to get, you can put those things together however you like, whatever you like to do. So when it comes to, right back to the question that Prenny asked, are pastries a no? I mean, no, they're not actually, like, it's not the best source of food you can have for breakfast, because if we take a croissant as an example, it's kind of 50% butter, and 50% flour. So it's um, it's giving you a lot of calories from the butter, a lot of fat from the butter, and not really any protein at all. And the carbohydrates in it are not the most complex. They're kind of processed, therefore they're slightly more simple. Not quite as simple as something like sugar um, and jam or things like that, but it's still a processed grain that's been milled 
And as a result, you've got this um, beautiful, delicious, <laughs> fluffy, flaky croissant, but it's not really going to do you very good things for your um, for the rest of your day. So I think that what I'm trying to say to you, Preeny, is you don't have to say no. You can have a croissant if you wanted to, if you like made it as part of your breakfast with some lean proteins and maybe some other complex carbohydrates, but it's just not the best thing. You know, it, you're not going to feel that full if for breakfast you have a pan of chocolate or a um, pan of raisin or some other pastry, like a cake, like you just, it's just not going to fill you up. And very soon, probably within like an hour or two, you're going to start to be hungry again because it's just, it's, it's not provided enough volume and enough complex sources of carbohydrates and proteins and, and calories to make you feel sustained. So it's just not really worth it in my personal opinion. I wouldn't really waste the calories if I was in your position. Good question though. Cool little interesting question. Um, right. Oh, actually, I'm just going to touch this from the same person. So Prenny has also asked, what's the best time to go to bed and wake up if my goal is to consistently wake up early? Um, <coughs> well, each person is kind of different, right? When it comes to sleep, there's different um, chronographs, chronographs? I can't remember the exact term, but basically there's different people and they choose to sleep at different times of the day naturally, right? Our circadian rhythms are different. We don't all like to go to sleep at the same time and wake up at the same time. You might have that one friend that loves getting up at 5 a.m., that they get up and they like bounce out of bed and they bowl around the house and they like go and bash out a workout and they feel fantastic. And, um, and you know, you're like, oh, I just, I don't have any energy until like mid-morning. That's cool. Some people are morning people. Some people are night people. And I think that one of the benefits of actually being in, lockdown and having that time where not where a lot of people didn't necessarily have to get up and go to work at a set time has allowed us to maybe get into more of a natural rhythm with our sleeping. So what I would suggest to you, Prenny, is the best time to go to bed is the amount of time you need to sleep before you wake up, right? So if you want to wake up early, you need to go to bed seven to nine hours before the time that you want to wake up. Um, but it's a kind of experiment with yourself. What is it that you are going to need to do in order to, to, to get up early? Um, you know, for me, I used to have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to get to work. I am not the kind of person that likes to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm the kind of person that likes to wake up at 8 or 8.30 in the morning and get kind of 8 to 9 hours sleep. So for me, I'm going to bed at like 11, 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. That's naturally where my, my circadian rhythm is. I'm, I'm a little bit of a later sleeper. Um, whereas some people will naturally go to sleep at right 9 or 10 o'clock at night and wake up at 5 or 6 or 7 a.m. So it's important to kind of figure out where you lie on that scale and then work back from there. But if you have to get up at a certain time, you're just gonna have to shift that time that you go to sleep. If you have to get up at 6 a.m., then 
you shouldn't be sacrificing the time that you have in bed. You need to give yourself ample opportunity to get the right amount of sleep. So if you need to get up at 6 a.m., work back from that. Okay, 9 p.m., try and get yourself ready, getting into bed, getting your pajamas on, brush your teeth, do everything you need to do so you have a window of eight to nine hours where you're actually in bed. And then you'll get used to kind of going to bed at that time, waking up at that time, and you'll set your own rhythm. It's um, definitely worth doing that, but... <coughs> Um, but kind of trial it out your, your own way. Now you might have, <laughs> I've coughed a couple of times on this already. And the reason is not COVID for everyone that's commenting <laughs> is that my sister just cooked some chili in the kitchen. And I don't know if you guys have ever had this when you're cooking chili and like the little particles after you've cut it and you're frying it off, those particles of chili kind of get into the air. When they hit my throat, I, it kind of makes me cough. Um, so that is, that's the legit reason. That's why I've got all the coughing going on at the moment. Right. Uh, let's go into another question that you guys have put into, um, the question section. So this is from Katrina Maris, Marino, Mariano, Katrina Mariano. How do you pump up your metabolism after losing some weight? Cool. Great question. Right. So, um, what, let's say you are 250 pounds and you lose 50 pounds, right? You lose 50 pounds of, of fat. Now we've got a couple of things to think about in this situation. One, you have lost 50 pounds, right? You've burnt 50 pounds. Therefore your body doesn't need as many calories per day to sustain your body weight at 200 pounds as it did at 250 pounds. So your metabolism, AKA your calorie requirement, your total daily energy expenditure will be less. You're moving around with less weight. You have less of you, therefore you need less calories. Okay. So you, if you've lost a bunch of weight, you won't ever really be able to eat the same amount of food as you did before because there's less of you, right? So firstly, let's kind of address that. And uh, we just need to accept it because it's just, it's just thermodynamics. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is that what a lot of, not a lot of people, what some people do is that they will diet very aggressively. You know, it's, it's not uncommon that I see people in America and the UK who are relatively successful, hardworking business people. Um, and they've got into the habit of eating very few calories, exercising loads and doing it for a long time. So you have kind of Monday to Friday, won't eat very many calories at all. Um, you know, kind of feel quite tired, quite lethargic work really, really hard. Um, and then at the weekend, eat more food than they do on average during the week. And you kind of have this Monday to Friday, low calorie approach. And then Saturday probably will be like quite a high intake of calories. And then Sunday it'll drop down because they often feel guilty for what they did on Saturday. And so over time, your body develops a, um, it gets used to 
this way of eating, this kind of lower calorie intake of food and your metabolism or what we also call your adaptive thermogenesis will slow down. And it is a, it's not, you're going, you're not going into starvation mode, but your body is adapting. You know, you as a human being are super adaptive and it's one of the things that makes us as a species so successful because we have the capacity to change to multiple different environments, situations, and we can adapt. And so your body will adapt. It will slow down the processes. It will reduce the amount of calories it needs every day to survive. Um, and as a byproduct of that, you might start moving less. You might start exercising less. You might not be able to think as clearly. You might be a little more grouchy. Um, all of these can be uh, byproducts and, and side effects of not eating enough food over time. Um, and so if you're in that position, it does make it very difficult for you then to lose more body fat. Because if you are, let's say, a, <clears throat> a female that's eating 1200 calories a day and you're exercising five times a week and you're not losing body fat, what do you do? That can be super scary because you're thinking to yourself, I'm not eating very much food. I'm exercising all the time. What am I supposed to do to lose this last bit of belly fat or this bit of extra weight or you know, whatever extra fat you want to lose. Like it can seem very difficult because you're like, well, what are the options? The truth is the first step in order to getting yourself in the right situation is by increasing the amount of food that you eat. So how do you pump up your metabolism after losing weight? You systematically increase the amount of calories that your body consumes on a daily basis until you hit your theoretical calorie ceiling. And what this is basically, it's, it's another term called reverse dieting. And um, initially it was coined for bodybuilders who had been through a massive diet and got down to very, very low calories and got very, very lean. And then what they do is they would steadily increase the amount of calories they eat again. So the body has time to adjust to it and adapt and use those calories instead of storing them as body fat. And this is what I would suggest for most people who are in this position. If you've lost loads of weight, if you have effectively starved yourself for a long period of time, your body's got used to that, then in order to put yourself in the best position to then diet again, you need to increase the amount of food that you eat. And that's potentially why you might have heard people saying you need to eat more in order to lose weight. And it seems a bit like confusing. You're like, well, hang on, how can I eat more? I thought I had to eat less. And it's, you know, a bit of clickbait for a lot of people to say that. But the truth is that your body will adjust and it will adapt. But you need to know what your theoretical total daily expenditure of energy is. So you need to know what your TDEE is. That's the number you should be trying to hit. Uh, so say for, for most people, right, for most people, it'll be around 2,000 calories. I'm going to, massive Germanization. Do not use this number, but it's just a rough guesstimate, right? I've worked with, with, with clients, with female clients, where their, their theoretical TDEE is over 2,000, but they were eating less than 1,200. And so I basically just put them on an extra 100 calories each week to steadily take that up and add over 10 weeks, we add 1,000 calories a day and you don't gain weight. Your body will adjust to it. And that is... Literally, that is the exact method 
that you need to use in order to pump up your metabolism after losing weight to put yourself in the best position because then you can eat more food, firstly, which is brilliant because you don't want to feel restricted the whole time because that's one of the main reasons people regain weight after they've lost it is they feel like they have to eat the same way that they did um, when they were dieting in order to keep it. And you don't because when you're dieting, you're trying to lose body fat. You're trying to get smaller. So you need to be eating a little amount of food. However, if you are um, at maintenance and you're not actually trying to lose any weight or lose any body fat, then we don't need to eat the same. We can eat more food. So that would be the first thing. That would be my best advice for how to boost up your metabolism. And that's just one with, with food. You know, the other thing, and the other thing which, which almost every single person should be doing is lifting weights. Female, male, teenager, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, however old you are, and if you're male and female, if you're a human being, if you're a human, you should be lifting weights. Um, that is the best way of doing it because as you lift weights, you get stronger, you get more capable, you build muscle mass that in turn requires more energy. Therefore you can eat more food and you become more competent and athletic and fit and strong and resilient and your ligaments and your tendons get stronger and your bones get stronger, all your connective tissues get stronger. And so as a human, you become more capable. So um, that's how you can, if you are, um, kind of, I weigh about 88 kilos roughly. Um, if I was 88 kilos and 30% body fat compared to being 88 kilos and about 10% body fat, I wouldn't be able to eat as much food if I had a higher body fat percentage because muscle requires more energy to sustain itself than fat does. So actually the more muscle you have, the more you can eat and also the more fit you'll be and stronger you'll be and all the other benefits that I talked about. There you go. Um, so yeah, that's that one. And uh, we're going to move on to another question. Um, so let's go to a question that you guys have put up in the comments section. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, so actually from the same person, so Katrina Mariano has asked, is it better to work out fasted or fed? And without the context of what is better, because it could be that you're trying to lose weight. It could be that you're trying to gain weight. It could be that you're not trying to do anything to your body composition at all. And you just want to have the best performance possible. These are three different situations for which I'm going to give you a different answer. <laughs> so if you're trying to lose body fat, is it better to be fed or fasted when you're working out? Well, it's hard to say exactly. When do you perform the best? Actually, that's the best answer for all three of those situations. When do you perform the best? Do you perform the best when you've been eating something before? Do you perform the best when you are getting up and working out in the morning and you can't eat because you feel sick afterwards? Or you know, do you need to eat something because otherwise you don't have the energy in order to perform at, in your workout? Really, it comes down to what's your the best situation for you. And so for me, if I'm training in the morning, I'll have a cup of coffee and then I'll go into my workout. But if I'm training in the evening or in the afternoon, 
then obviously need to eat something um, beforehand because I'm not going to wake up at like 8am and then (laughs) not eat anything until two or three o'clock in the afternoon. I need to eat something. But if I'm going to be training in the evening, it's the same for you guys. If you're going to be training in the afternoon or the evening, then I suggest eating two hours or longer before that workout. Because what we don't want to have is a lot of food in your stomach during your workout. Because what that's going to do is if your body is actively um, trying to digest the food that's in your system, then it's going to take blood and put it towards your stomach. Um, cause like we only have a certain amount of blood in our system and when you're working out, your body will shift the blood from one place to another, wherever it needs it. So, you know, you, that's what you guys have heard of the pump, right? When you go to the gym and you lift those weights, you feel pumped and that's because blood is rushing to the muscles. And, um, we've got this, there's a, a methodology called vascular shunt where you will do, loads of leg exercises to get blood going to your legs and then do a lot of upper body exercises very quickly afterwards to get the blood rushing up to your upper body and moving from one place to the next. And so if you've got all of that going on while trying to digest a big meal, then your body's really going to struggle to do all these things. And that's often when you get cramps and you get indigestion and you get uh, feeling sick because your body will eject the food in your stomach, if you're trying to eat it too close to um, to when you work out, because your body's got to prioritize the working out over the digesting of the food. So it's hard to give a direct answer to that question because there could be multiple different scenarios that you're trying to be in when asking whether you should eat before or after your workout. The best thing is to do it for you. What do you like to do? Do you want to eat or do you not want to eat? It doesn't make a difference when it comes to fat loss um, or muscle gain. It is a total calorie intake across the day that's more important. And when it comes to performance, if you're trying to get stronger or you're trying to get fitter and you're just looking for a specific physiological adaptation, then again, it just comes down to when do you perform the best? Because when you go to the gym, when you hit your workouts, the thing that's most important is are you going to get the most out of that? Are you going to put in the work? Are you going to hit the right intensity? Are you going to get the extra couple of reps? Are you going to do the thing you need to do in order to get the response that you're looking for? Or are you going to go in with a pretty laissez-faire attitude, not really put the work in, quit a bit early, and just be proud of yourself for just being there? You know, it all comes down to what the situation is that you're looking for. Um, okay. We've had a question come in on the comment section from Shane asking, how did I keep fit whilst filming the Netflix show too hot to handle? And, um, I was actually quite lucky. We had dumbbells. So I personally was doing a lot of dumbbell exercises, a lot of Metcons, um, during filming too hot to handle. So it'd be like hypertrophy. We had a bench and some dumbbells, very basic equipment. And I would do a combination of bodybuilder hypertrophy training and also CrossFit style metabolic conditioning circuits. And that's how I personally stayed in shape and stayed fit. But also I didn't eat breakfast. Yes. So earlier in this podcast, um, this live, I said that intermittent fasting does work if you 
eat within a calorie restricted diet. And if the habit is that you don't need to eat breakfast, then don't eat breakfast. And that's exactly what I did while filming the show because I didn't need to eat that early in the day. Um, I found that if I was eating that early in the day, by the time we came to lunch, I wasn't really hungry and I was eating far too much food across the day total. So I stopped eating breakfast. I just had a black coffee. I'd work, uh, work out in the morning, get my workout done. And then we'd be having lunch kind of three or four hours after waking up. So that's how I did it. And it worked a treat. Right. Um, let's go on to another question. Tori underscore T46 has said, does time matter when you're working out, like morning opposed to afternoon or evening? Now, with this, Tori, it is the exact same answer to um, what I was saying about fed or unfed. What is the best thing for you? When do you feel the most awake? When do you get the most out of your workouts? There is no difference physiologically from working out in the morning or the afternoon or the evening or night. It doesn't matter. It is the time that you best get what it is that you're looking for to get out of that workout. Are you awake in the morning, therefore you can crush your early morning workout and get it done? Or are you like me and you're still snoozy for the first like two or three hours that you're awake? I've tried doing the working out thing in the morning. I don't really like it. The only thing that I can do when I um, work out in the morning is steady state cardio stuff where I don't have to put that much effort in. It's not super intense, but the idea of lifting weights in the morning for me is unproductive. I don't work hard enough. Um, my brain hasn't switched on fully in order to put the intensity in that I need to, to get the response that I'm looking for. So this is kind of a question back to you guys. When do you feel like you're most alert and productive and efficient when you train? Are you the kind of morning person that crushes that morning workout or are you the person that actually wants to train in the afternoon? That's the time that you should train at, but also the time that works with your lifestyle. At the moment, maybe it's a little bit more flexible, but when you go back to work and you've got to be commuting to places and you've got other timetable responsibilities and logistical issues then you need to take those into account as well because the best training program is pointless if you don't do it. So you might be perfect working out in the afternoon, but the only time you can get to the gym is the morning. Therefore you should go in the morning because there's no point in going, Oh, I need to work out in the afternoon. But then every afternoon you're picking up your kids from school or you're making dinner or you're finishing work or you're doing something else. And so therefore you never go. It is a, it's more of a lifestyle consideration than optimal for working out. But um, it's cool. I like the questions you guys come up with. You've got some real nice, varied questions. This is one that um, I've not seen recently, but is a bit of a myth. Um, so I am, I am Maya Manana. I think is how I pronounce your title on Instagram. So what are my thoughts on being big boned? True or a myth? Well, some people do have bigger bones than others. <laughs> um, but the truth is that the variation in weight of the skeletons of grown adults is tiny. 
it, you would be amazed at how little the variation is. Um, like a norm, like my, my, um, skeleton would roughly weigh about six kilos. Like it's not very much at all. Um, that your skeleton, like your bones are not heavy. They're actually really light. And so if you are, if, you, if, if you're of normal height and proportions, your skeleton is not going to make up very much of your total body mass, your total body weight. It is much more likely that it is the muscle and the fat tissue that is the main variables. You know, like, yes, some people do have bigger skeletons. Some people are the same height, but their hips might be wider or their shoulders might be wider or their hands might be bigger. Like that is true. But still those people, if you're the same height, you're going to have roughly the same um, weight in your skeleton. So you can have big bones, but as far as weight, it makes very little difference. So if someone says to you, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm just like, I know the scales say, say X, <laughs> but it's because I'm big boned. You can tell them with fair certainty that that's bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, the, the, your bones are not the reason that the scales are saying that it's probably something else. Mainly you're probably a bit overweight. Um, right, let's go for another little question that you guys have fired into the comments, not into the comments, into the questions section. Um, this is a cool question. I like this one. All right, Ella Richards has asked, is it possible to lose weight only from walking? Well, a reason I like this question is because it's, we often think of working out as the key variable when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to fat loss. And actually, the amount of calories that you burn from your workout are often quite a small portion of the total amount of calories that you burn that day. So one of the, the, the biggest things that I recommend to people who are, who are sedentary and what I mean by sedentary is like people that don't move very much, um, you know, office workers. Um, if you're working from home at the moment, then you're often going to be less moving now than you ever were. Um, my first, my first kind of recommendation is go for a walk, get out of the house, get walking, start burning calories, like getting your steps in. It's, it is a legitimate thing because if you shift your daily step count from 5,000 to 15 or 20,000, you're going to burn significantly more calories and you're going to be significantly more active than you were. And as a result of that, you're much more likely to lose body fat and to be able to keep it off as well. Because when it comes to keeping body fat off and being lean and athletic for a long period of time, it comes down to your average activity levels um, over an extended period of time. It comes down to how active are you as an individual consistently. And if you're walking a lot, then you're going to have a high calorie expenditure. Therefore, you're going to be able to be leaner. We are, as humans, we are active. We are dynamic. We are moving creatures. We're not sedentary creatures. It's just 
the lifestyle that a lot of us live now where we drive and we sit everywhere and we go and sit on the couch and sit in the chair and sit in the car and sit on a bike and we're sat down constantly, sit in front of the computer. Whereas actually our bodies really do respond well to general movement and general activity. Um, so it is completely possible to lose weight only from walking as long as you are in a calorie deficit. So let's say you are eating 2,000 calories a day and you're walking for 5,000 steps a day and you're not losing or gaining any weight, you're at maintenance. If you took that step count from 5,000 to 20,000, you didn't eat any more calories, you would be walking an extra 15,000 steps a day. That's 105,000 steps a week extra. That's 420,000 steps a month if it's a four-week month. Um, and so that's a lot of energy over that month that you've burned just by walking. So I would guarantee that you would lose body fat as a direct result of simply walking more, as long as you didn't eat the calories that you burnt by walking. Yeah? So, um, yeah, Ella, great question. I think, like, everyone, we can be walking more. We can be more generally active. You can see, like, right now, I choose to do these lives stood up. This is a great way for me to, to burn calories, to be more active instead of sitting down. I get to be more dynamic with you guys. And also, this gets my, my step count up, gets my general activity up. Um, if you're someone that works at home, you can get a standing office desk. You know, you can you can put a like a raised platform on your, on your desk so you can work standing up and this will help burn more calories. This will help keep you leaner and healthier. You know, like walking is so much better for us than not walking. If you don't exercise, if you don't do anything healthy at all, simply walking will reduce your risk of heart cancer, obesity, diabetes, loads of different preventable diseases if simply just by walking more often right moving on um sean underscore keith has asked what are your thoughts on tracking macros or do you just know how your body works and how to feed it properly all right mate well this is kind of a two-part question right so the first part is what are my thoughts on tracking macros personally i think it's really beneficial for most people to spend some time of their life tracking their calories and their macros. And the reason that I think that's important is because by simply tracking, even not by like trying to diet, but simply just by tracking, you become more aware. You start to see what is in food. You start to see numerically the difference between a croissant and a sweet potato. Like you see the difference in energy density of foods and how you feel after eating a certain amount of food or different types of foods, how you feel after you've eaten loads of carbohydrates versus loads of fat, how you feel after eating loads of lean proteins and complex carbohydrates as opposed to eating simple carbohydrates, simple carbohydrates like sugar and um, saturated fat, i.e. a cake or a cookie or something. Like by tracking, you become aware. You take your head firmly out of the sand, you shine light on the situation and you educate yourself. So for me, I genuinely think that tracking macros, tracking calories, it gives you an insight and it gives you an understanding 
of what is in food. And that is something which most people don't do, don't have, don't have that basic understanding. So I think it's really important. The thing to be considerate of is that some people become a little bit OTT, a little OCD about it, and can it can develop some anxiety around food and you know understanding what's in food is one part of it but also understanding that at times like shutting the lights down and just eating something for the pure pleasure and enjoyment of eating is also very beneficial food isn't just numbers macros and calories food is also social it is also how you feel it's that experience of doing it with somebody it's the experience of cooking a beautiful meal for your partner um like food for us as human beings is a combination of health and fuel and social and enjoyment and mental health and all of these things so um tracking is part of that but you should not be tracking calories and macros for all of your life there's a time and a place and then the second part, Sean, you said, um, do you just know how to fuel? Do you just know how your body works and how to feed it properly? Well, kind of now I do. Yes, personally, because I spent time doing it. You know, I'm 30. I first was tracking my calories when I was about 23. It was the first time I, I tracked my calories for the first time. And I spent like a few years on and off tracking and so i have this understanding of how many calories are in foods how many calories i need to eat um how many calories are in some of the junk food that i used to eat and so you know now i just make slightly smarter choices slightly smarter decisions about food because i have this baseline understanding of what is in food and what my body needs but also I put certain things in place. So, um, you know, for the past two years, I've been using a meal delivery service here in London called Fresh Fitness Food, um, which, you know, you guys can definitely use as well. And if you use code DBERT10, then you'll get 10% off your order. Um, I've been using them for like two years and they're fantastic. Uh, way before I did the show, like it, it's a service which allows me to eat healthy, delicious macro and calorie counted meals and that saves me from having to track everything and prepare everything because they make the foods at the amount of calories that i need so i get 2100 calories a day from them so i know if i eat those meals i get that much food and then i know roughly that my body needs between 2500 and 3000 calories a day depending on if i work out so i'll have one extra meal so i don't track Right? I don't go into my fitness plan and track at the moment because I know roughly this is where it's at. And I know as long as I don't overindulge for an extended period of time on cookies and cakes and biscuits and I'm not boozing all the time, then my body will be in pretty much homeostasis. Like right now, I am lean-ish. I've been way leaner in my life. Like if I tense, I've got a bit of a six-pack. You can see my like core muscles. But... I've been leaner. Do I want to be leaner at the moment? No, not really. Like I'm comfortable with how I look and it serves me no purpose to be leaner. Therefore, I don't track. Therefore, I don't um, be meticulous with all of the calories in and calories out 
because I'm not trying to affect any change on my body. Um, I'm at maintenance. If I go put on a pound or two, I don't really give a fuck. If I drop a pound or two, I don't really care. So I can have that flexibility. Now, if I was to um, say to myself, right, I want to get in really great shape. I want to um, lose some body fat. I want to tighten up. Then immediately I would start tracking because I'd want to have that control and certainty over what comes in and out of my body. So it's, I can maintain what I am. And most of you should be able to maintain what you are uh, by eating healthy, making smart choices and knowing roughly what's going in and out of your body. But if you want to make change, if you want to get lean and you want to um, do it in the most effective, efficient way possible and fast, then tracking your calories is a no-brainer. It puts you firmly in control, in the driver's seat, making the right decisions day after day with certainty and clarity so that if something doesn't go right, you know why, what to change, how to change it in order to get the result you want. So when I'm working with clients and um, on Endeavor, we require that. That's It's something that is part and parcel of the process because it gives you guys a great understanding and insight into what you're doing, what needs to change, and you can start to see all the different variables about what is important. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much how I um, how I eat, what we do, all that kind of stuff. Right, let's um, <clears throat> let's have a little look. Let's go one more question. All right, because we've been on for quite a while now, so let's see what we've got. Um, in the questions that you guys have already put in the stories. Here we go. Um, okay. Uh, let's touch on this. All right. So motivation, right? This is, this is a topic that comes up all the time. So Lauren Patrick has said, I've been trying to go to the gym recently. How can I stay motivated to go? And we haven't really talked about motivation today. We're talking mainly about food, but I've touched on this one because motivation is a question that comes up every week. It's something which is everyone thinks about, everyone wants to know how to be motivated. And I think that there's a, I think that there's a misconception that people who do fitness and people that train a lot are like constantly motivated and that it doesn't matter whatever, whatever happens, they're going to love it. And that is not quite the case. Like I haven't worked out today. Um, I didn't work out yesterday. Like motivation comes and go. And one day it might be really, really high and another day it might not be. Um, There's a couple of things to make your consistency better even if your motivation drops because your motivation is going to drop right and that's normal and that's fine that's understandable but if you number one if you know why right what i mean by that is what is the real reason that you're exercising why why do you exercise like really deep down why do you exercise why do you work out why are you eating clean why are you on a diet why is it important to you? What is your belief about your why? Okay, so that's the first thing. Understanding why. 
Not just, I want to lose weight, I want to be healthy. Like, why? Why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to be healthy? Asking yourself that, that is the first, foremost thing that you should do. The next thing is actually what someone's just commented. So, Deb has said, set short-term goals and scheduling. Yes, so this is where we start to talk about creating a system. So, how can you create a system around fitness to hit your goals even when time isn't on your side or even when your motivation is low. And it could be something as simple as putting your workouts into your diary. Let's say you're going to do three workouts a week, putting those workouts into your diary and scheduling the time that you're going to train, scheduling the time that you're going to go to the shops to buy your food, scheduling the time where you're going to prepare that food and maybe make a couple of meals ahead of time so that you have some stuff in the fridge. Scheduling, blocking out your time, being proactive, they're the best things that you can do because that way you're going to not have to make decisions. Yeah, That makes it a lot easier because if your motivation is low and you have to make a decision, chances are you're not going to do it. Whereas if your motivation is low and you don't have to make a decision, that decision's already been made, aka should I work out today? And you look at your diary and it just says, work out 7 a.m., it's not a question because you've already finally, you've already decided you're going to do it. It's in your diary. It's just a case of going and doing the thing that you've already decided to do. So that really, really helps. And the other thing is follow a plan. Follow a program, a training program. Like your motivation will drop, like I mentioned, but if you know exactly what you need to do when you go to the gym, if it's in your diary, if you know why you're working out, why you're training, why you're exercising, those three things combined are going to mean that even with low motivation, you're still going to be successful and you're still going to push through, get the results that you're looking for. And those results are going to drive motivation moving forwards. So you've got to set the things up to make it easy for you to succeed so that on the days that you're down, you can still move forward. And that moving forward drives more motivation. Like the more you get this ball rolling, the more the wheel rolls down the hill, the faster it goes, the more successful you will be. Therefore, the more motivated you will be. But if you don't schedule, if you don't plan, if you don't have a workout plan to follow, if you are just living by the seat of your pants, then when your motivation is low, you're going to become unstuck. And that makes it really difficult for you to be consistent and get that motivation back. So that would probably be my, my kind of top tips and things that you can definitely do, all of you guys can do to make it the best for you in the long term of your fitness and nutrition and all those fitness goals that you've got. Right team, I'm going to head off now, um, but thank you very much for watching and listening. Thanks for your questions. Hopefully we've answered some great ones here for you guys today. And as always, uh, you can check me out at david.bertlesaw on Instagram or at Endeavor Life. Um, we are going to be doing more of these Q&As every Monday here on the Endeavor Life page. And also we are going to be releasing brand new Endeavor 2.0 coming very soon. Endeavor is getting personal, guys get excited. This is game changing. I'm just gonna drop that there, let you think about it, let you listen to it. But there's gonna be some exciting stuff coming. So um, enjoy, and I'll see you all very soon. Bye.